0: everyone, welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church. For several weeks now, we've been doing an Ask Me Anything time with Nick, our lead pastor, at the end of our Sunday services and answering any questions that we didn't get to in these podcast episodes. This week, we decided to split the content into two episodes, and this is part two. In this episode, Nick and Nicole, our Director of Music and Worship Arts, are going to work through the AMA questions specifically related to the sermon, about imitating Jesus and imitating other Christians, and a few other unrelated questions, including the doctrine of Roman Catholicism and virtual church. As always, if you have any questions from listening to this episode, email us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. We would also love to have you join us for future AMA times on Sundays at 9am at highpointchurch.org live. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey, everybody, again, we're back. <laughs> we're doing the rest of the Ask Me Anything from May 10th. Is All that right? right?
2: Yep, May 10th. Mm-hmm. I'm here with Nicole. Hey, everyone. And uh, here we go. All right. Okay, we're going to start with questions that are related to the sermon. So this first one, I think you can probably give a, a quicker response to than the ones to follow. Does High Point partner with any high school or college programs that could that could help new mentors find someone to invest in?
1: Um, we, well, okay. One, that's not necessary because we have young people coming out of our ears. So (laughs) if you are not one of those age groups and you're looking for somebody to mentor, um, we, we probably have someone already. So we are, we do have a pretty close relationship with crew and, um, also to a certain extent, intervarsity and, um, navigators and, um, you know, half the interns at upper house are high point Mm -hmm. young people right now. And so, so we do, we do, but we we don't have like really formalized partnerships. Um, but there's a lot of young people. So and there's a, plenty of young people in our youth group. So if you're looking for somebody, we certainly can help you. Yep. Um, but we we don't have any programs in any high schools right now, yeah. other than our participation with the Jesus Lunch at Middleton High School. Yeah. And now Memorial and
2: and Verona. I think it spread a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, Also, we do, at least for women, I can speak to that. Um, It seems like more and more college students are trying to ask for a mentor through our women's mentoring ministry. And so if that's an area, if you really like working with college students, I mean, that's a great way to serve in mentoring. All right. That's our quick one. Next question. I have Christ-like people in my life to imitate, but I'm wondering, how do I know if I'm relying on examples of Jesus too much?
1: Okay. I'm a, examples there in the context of my sermon means people who are good examples of Jesus, not examples of him like in the gospels or the Bible or something. Yes. Um, That's not a super easy question. I mean, there are some symptoms of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For example, if you listen to the person instead of Jesus in places where they disagree If one of the questions I would say is what would it do to you if that person walked away from the faith yeah now it should hurt but would it be devastating Mm
2: -hmm.
1: would you become disillusioned with Mm -hmm. Jesus Mm
2: -hmm.
1: if that person walked away and if the answer is yes then the answer is yes you are relying on them too much
2: yeah yeah that's helpful um also, I just a little, um, even further on that. I mean, sometimes too, if there are people who are influences in our life or examples in our life who then make some sort of theological, um, difference or change, or like we see them fall morally or something like that, you'll feel sad. Like if this is a person you looked up to, my husband and I have each had this happen in our lives, you'll feel sad for sure. But I think you're, you're, um, the, how you ex- describe that, like, will it, will it ruin your faith? That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's different than just feeling sad about these things. Okay. Are mentors always assumed to be older than their mentees or is spiritual maturity the more important criteria in Christian mentorship?
1: Yeah, no. um, Mentors are not always older than their mentees. I've mentored a bunch of people older older than me in all kinds of things. Sure. And uh, and I I and I've had I've had I have some people in my life younger than me that I feel like have really helped me grow in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Um, So so yeah, no maturity is the criteria. Is can you emulate them? Is the question? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, emulation is directly related to the development of a human life through life stages, and so people who are beyond you in life stages have more experience in very relevant things to your development. And so it's usually better to have people older than you, Mm -hmm. but that's not an absolute truth. It's relative to the fact that our development is connected to the changes of our life stages. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you, if you just had your first child you know, a college student that's not married, though they they may be really mature, just, you know, lack something that that person who has three kids, one of them, and one of them's in junior high.
2: Right. Has. So
1: mm-hmm. in that sense, oftentimes age yeah. means a difference. So when I, when I talk to people, I heard Nicole say this on Lisa and Tony Dahlger's podcast mm-hmm. last week, that the the issue is not, are they older? The What I always say to people is you're looking for somebody one or two life stages ahead of you. Yeah. So it's it's not older, it's in a different stage of life. Yeah. Look, And they can look back with perspective on your stage of life. And oftentimes that's very helpful.
2: Mm-hmm. You heard me say that on the podcast, but Scott and I got that from attending High Point and heard
1: you say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're very wise.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, this next question, this um, I hadn't thought about this sort of thing before. So we have Jesus and Christians to imitate. What can it look like to imitate the Holy Spirit? I had always thought of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, having him in me, um, shaping me, guiding me, convicting me, comforting me, but not I had not ever thought about, oh, am I imitating him or should I? So I'm curious.
1: Yeah, I mean, the metaphor in Ephesians of keeping in step with the Spirit does sort of assume a certain kind of imitation. Right. Like if you've ever followed somebody through the snow who like is walking, you're just you're walking in their little footsteps. You you are in a way imitating them. But the the centrality of Jesus, the Christ as the one we imitate, is because he's the incarnate one. He took on flesh and became human and lived as a human being. And so he becomes our preeminent one to imitate. Not because he's any different than the Father or the Spirit. The Father and the Spirit have the same mind. Right. They think the same thoughts, they have the same identities in a way. They and it's the same with like sort of their moral core and who they are and what they believe. It's they're all identical in that sense. Yeah. They all believe exactly the truth and they all care about exactly what you should and right. Yeah. So in that sense the Holy Spirit is exactly like Christ. And therefore you can imitate him. But the object of our imitation, as given through the incarnation, is Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm. So you,
1: so what we're called to do is to imitate Jesus. But in key, trying to keep in step with the Spirit and following God, what He's doing in our lives, we are in doing that, keeping in step with the Spirit, which is in an in indirect way imitating Him.
2: Yeah, I um, when I'm stuck in a situation usually a relational situation. Often the passage that I go to pray through is um, in Galatians about the, the fruit of the Spirit and going through each one of those fruits of the Spirit and how I could apply that to that particular situation. I often find that to be really helpful for framing my mind and convicting me and moving me towards love or humility. And I, I, I had never thought of that as a way of imitating him. But if those are the fruits and the, the, the things that he's like, it is in a way imitating him in those particular, uh, in that particular situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the parts of your, uh, sermon, you talked about vulnerability and open in our witness and in just sharing our lives. This question says, how vulnerable and open must we be to be a faithful witness?
1: I, th- I think that that's relative to the situation and it requires discernment
2: mm-hmm.
1: right so there are some things that are just like you can just answer oh the answer is seventy four yeah
2: uh-huh.
1: you know um but the uh, the answer I think in terms of vulnerability and openness is enough to touch the heart touch the heart of the other person and to make them feel like they have made a deep and meaningful human connection with you yeah and see your real heart for something or see the real you yeah you know? And so however much that is, that may not be that much. And they just get the real you, they see it and it might be a lot. So I, I think that that requires discernment and it's a feel thing more than it is a a specific value.
2: Yeah. You know, I think, um, so for some people who, I, I mean, the more that you have these sorts of relationships, the more you'll be able to feel out what your tendency is. Like some people have the tendency of oversharing and just like divulging everything to everybody around them other people are like I don't want to tell anyone anything that's personal in my life right now and you've you've probably have some sort of an idea of which sort of that person you are mm-hmm. but that'll in Im- that will impact this in those relationships it may be that you you should share more with them it may be that you have shared everything with everyone and you've got to find some boundaries in your life but um, there's a There's a book called Changes That Heal that talks about bonding with others well, having boundaries well. If this is an area where you feel like you struggle, like you don't know where you are, that could be a helpful resource for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. This is the last question related to the sermon. Is living an inspiring life a goal of Christian faith?
1: I think in the general sense it is in that, Like Paul at one point refers to us as the fragrance of the gospel, Mm -hmm. right? Or now in in the book of Colossians, we become the fragrance of the gospel by becoming a burnt offering.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It's it's a very painful way to become a a nice fragrance.
2: Uh
1: Um, But there there are a number of metaphors in the New Testament that demonstrate that the Christian life lived out should be beautiful it should have an aesthetically pleasing quality that people would look at it and be like, that's not just true, but it's great. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore I think the answer is yes. Now, if somebody said, well, let's do a class on what like the, the, like the formal thing Christians should be. I mean, I wouldn't make that one of my points that like, yeah. well, you're, you're going to be inspiring. I mean, that's that, that uh, somebody who's teaching new age nonsense could say that too. Right. What's the difference?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, what I'm saying is that, um, that if our goal is to help people imitate Christ by imitating us, then what Paul says in First Thessalonians is basically, we showed you the quality of our character,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when you saw the quality of our character, you were moved to imitate us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What I'm saying is, is that that's that's inspiration. Yeah. That's being inspiring. And so in that in that general definition In those kinds of contexts, that's what I mean I don't mean being like A person who can stand up in front of people and talk about Things and make the people go ooh and ah yeah. I'm not talking about being cool Or like revered Or liked, I'm, I'm just talking About the fact that Inspiration just means to breathe Into, right, is what it literally Means, that's the etymology And the idea, what you're trying to do is you're trying to breathe Life into somebody
2: Yeah do you think that you have to be intentional in your actions in order to be inspiring or could you just live a life where you are pursuing godliness and imitating others and Christ and that that in, its, in and of itself would be inspiring?
1: Right. I think that, I think that, okay. um, no, I don't think you have to in, you, cause you use the word necessarily. Like, does it have to be that you are being yeah. intentional and it's is I- no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. No, you can just be inspiring by, being, by living your life. However, though, sometimes there are ways to go the extra mile or do something a little extra to seek to demonstrate and to show the other person what you care about and what you think is valuable. And so sometimes you do do it, for, you will do it for that reason.
2: Yeah. All right. Okay. These are usually my favorite questions that we're going to come to because you just, you don't know what you're going to get. It's like a surprise box. So these are the unrelated questions. So, um, let's start this first one. How can we be witnesses for Christ in this time of safer at home? I live alone and I'm not active in social media. And so I am very isolated.
1: Um, I can give you the name name of three inmates who are in prison right now, struggling with their faith. That could get letter would love to get letters from you, encouraging them towards discipleship and trusting Christ. You you could always utilize social media if you wished to. Um, I mean, there there are things you could do, and and then also you can. This isn't the direct act of witnessing, but it is relative to it. Is you can pray.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know um, and then make your most of your trips out yeah but you you are also allowed to do for example um, my wife will schedule walks with people where she'll go and exercise perfectly legally at safer at home she'll maintain a social distance from a person but she'll talk to them for however long right and minister to them and talk with them and be ministered too so mm-hmm. there are some activities that can be done perfectly legally that will get you around other people and you could you can do that in ways to be around people who aren't already believers.
2: Yeah. Um, and I think I maybe you've thought of this in, as well, Nick, but I, I wonder too if this might show you maybe there aren't people who are already existing in your life in some of the natural relationships that you have who aren't Christians. And so that might show you like, okay, well, maybe I should consider if that's right? If there are ways that I could expand my relationships so that I could be in contact with other non-Christians, like it might be worth thinking through that too. Okay. Next question. Do you think this model of worship through internet technology might be the way of the future at High Point? And if so, how would the need for community take place?
1: I think that the capacity to do live streaming will be some part of the future of high point. I'm not exactly sure what yet. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we might just stream when we can meet together for people who can't be there. We are t- working on the seg- sexuality conference for 2021. Right? Nope. 2020. It's this year, 2020. And we may have to do the whole thing via, um, live cast. Mm-hmm. So I do think it will be, but I don't think it will be exclusively as long as we can meet together with each other. We will.
2: Yeah. And I wonder if this person is referencing how you said that our, the way of church might look really different in the next 15 to 20 years. Right. But I think that even in that, I don't think you're imagining that we're going to have to be stuck in our own households that we would have to meet in smaller groups, but not that we would be safer right. at home for the rest of our lives
1: yeah i think it would be more decentralized we we make it to the point where we either can't or don't think it's wise to own buildings mm-hmm. um or buildings that are only churches but i but i yeah i think it so i think it will be i think technology will be part of how we live out our faith and and share the gospel and educate people about the gospel but i think that um but i but it will. There's. There will always be a community aspect of us loving each other in person. Right. Um, otherwise, it'll go really bad. I think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. How can we stay focused on God when life is going relatively well?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's one of the most difficult times to focus on God. One of the, one of the verses I wrote about in in the book Substance when I wrote it was there's this it says, give, give me, he's, he's praying to the Lord and he says, give me neither poverty nor riches, mm-hmm. because if I get too wealthy, I'll say, who is the Lord? Meaning I won't pay any attention to God because who's he to tell me what to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if I grow too poor, I might stoop to stealing. And so dishonor my God. And, mm-hmm. and part of the idea is he, what he's saying. He's basically saying like, if I have enough money to not, if I have enough money to just barely buy food, but I don't have any more. Then I can follow you, God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: naturally, more naturally, you know? Because mm-hmm. there won't be an, a profound human sin just lurking around the corner. And, and I think that that's, that's true that both poverty and riches can be bad, but it also just goes to show that there's not a very wide swath for human beings where we, um, where we like really, really focus on God. Mm hmm. When things are really bad, we'll focus on God. Sometimes when things are really good for a moment, we'll focus on God and thankfulness. But when things are going relatively well, it's the most lulling time in our relationship with God. And so I would say this is one of the reasons why we have like devotions, um, rituals where we go seek God at certain times Mm -hmm. in certain ways. Because yeah, you you can't let yourself just wander around Mm -hmm. or when things are relatively good, you'll just, you'll, you'll grow lazy and not vigilant, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I would say things like personal devotions and always coming to worship by habit Mm -hmm. and um, being engaged in Christian relationships and talking with people about the truth. I mean, all those kinds of things I think Mm -hmm. will help with that. But part of it is just knowing that Yeah. knowing that when things are going relatively well, you're most likely to lose your way.
2: Yeah. All right. Last question. Is Roman Catholic doctrine compatible with the biblical gospel? And then a parenthetical phrase, I speak purely doctrinally, not about Roman Catholic people.
1: I think my answer to that is I'm not a hundred percent sure. Sometimes I talk to Roman Catholics and I can't tell any difference between them and me other than they're more excited about the Eucharist,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: And then yeah. sometimes I talk to Catholics and I don't recognize what they believe as Christian. Yeah. And so, um, and Roman Catholicism has Catholicism has a lot of nominalism in it and it has it has pl- plenty of pastors that are not believing. Yeah. And so it's a big huge organization that has a great mixture and so on. So I the the Roman Catholic Church has made certain doctrinal statements over the last 40 years, let's say, in which they have tried to get in dialogue with Protestant denominations and and, and argue that they do believe some of the are divisive doctrines, um, but they still hold on to some of their historic ones that Protestants are really uncomfortable with. So they they said back in the 90s that they believed in salvation by faith alone mm. and not by works mm-hmm. and through, through Christ alone and not tradition. But that, right? And then when they talked about like what that all means, sure. it, sometimes it feels like they kind of take it back. Um, So... So it just, it depends a little bit on what what you get. I think that there are some priests who preach uh, a a salvation entirely that's entirely gracious and that is through Christ and the sacraments embody that and they like ritualize it and they point you towards it. But it really is this gracious gift of Christ received in faith and through the tools of sacraments and so on. And to the extent which that's true, I think it is compatible with Christian, the, the biblical gospel but I tend to think that the Roman Catholic church in its function has had so much kind of grow up over top of the direct presentation of the gospel and things like the mass that I feel like it's not a very helpful way to help people grow in discipleship, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways. But, but again, I just want to reiterate that the Catholic church is like super hit and miss.
2: Yeah. And there
1: are some Catholic parishes, parishes that were like, it really feels like those people are believers Do, to me.
2: Am I remembering this correctly, that that's part of your testimony too, that you heard the gospel attending Sunday school at your Catholic church mm. growing up? Or am I not remembering that correctly?
1: No, but but my Catholic church cult- cultivated a Jesus-centered religion in me.
2: Okay.
1: And I don't mean that in the, in the very negative sense. It was undoctrinal, and it, the gospel was not clear, and it wasn't clear that the gospel was, and it was about the grace of God. Mm-hmm. But it, but it was this. I, I had this idea of like the substituting death of Jesus, that Jesus died for our sins, mm-hmm. and that I needed to repent, and that I needed to trust God, and like there's a lot of that kind of basic stuff was there. Um, but I still I still would have explained if you would if you asked me those years, how do you get to heaven? I would say, well, um, God has a scale, sure, and He puts your good deeds on one side and your bad deeds on the other, and if you have more good deeds, and He lets you in heaven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because that just seemed obvious. Sure. And nobody ever disabused me. Well, no, no let me not say that. I, re- I remember saying that and having a Catholic Sunday school teacher tell me that was wrong. Okay. I just don't think I even understood it because it was so inconceivable to me. Sure. But here's the thing. I don't ever remember a priest saying that that was wrong.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I, don't, I don't remember hearing the gospel in my Catholic church preached in that kind of way. Sure. But... I find most of the mass unobjectionable. When I go back,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is all really good." Yeah. So yeah, I struggle with it. I, the reason, the main reason I left the Catholic Church, other than that I wanted to marry a woman and be in ministry,
2: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. um, was that I didn't believe in transubstantiation really the way they seemed to that the Eucharist becomes the body blood of Christ. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's quite as literal as they usually mean. But I, the main thing was I just didn't think that the church was going to lead people to Jesus. Hmm. I thought that it was going to, um, it was just too obscurantist with its liturgies and the way it did ministry, that it just wasn't reaching the culture that was really around it. And I just didn't think it would. And I, I, the call to making disciples seemed so strong in Jesus that I, I just felt like you had to f- live for that, you know? Right. So I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and I think
1: that's mainly borne out over the years that the... the the evangelical Christians who become Roman Catholic are like very solid people usually. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for kind of a richer tradition. There's something that they, that appeals to them there. But the Roman Catholics who become evangelicals are people who are not Christians at all. They're nominal Catholics. Sure. And they find Jesus.
2: Yeah. And I, so I, I think, think that's helpful. I feel like have borne out over the years. I think that's helpful what you, that distinction, because you're right that we've, we see it in both ways. We see people from a Catholic background go to an evangelical and vice versa.
1: Yeah. And some Catholics think that that's evidence that Catholicism is superior. They're like, right. You hear what you're saying? Yeah. Our worst come over to you <laughs> yeah. and your best come over to us. Uh-huh. Like, so who's the best, yeah. right? But I don't think that's what it is. I think that the yeah. two are serving fundamentally different purposes. Right. Yeah. I think that the best of gospel-believing Roman Catholicism is is ivory tower-ish. I think it's kind of obscurantist. And I think that it's so wrapped up in ritual. That deep people find it very meaningful, mm-hmm. but I think it. Loo- I think that it loses most of the parish children sure. to the world, uh-huh. and I think that you know our wacky, like populist kind of church has been more successful in reclaiming them.
2: Yeah,
1: you know mm-hmm. we've led more people to Christ. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I don't want to fight with them. I mean God's going to judge them and we're gonna but i don't think that they're a apostate church for them i mean i don't that's not my view
2: yeah all right well thanks everyone for listening thanks for sharing these questions for sharing your authentic real questions that you have and that you want to hear responses to um yeah we hope that this was helpful and we hope to see you soon
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.